I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of August 11. In the news, Luis Moreno Ocampo, the founding prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, releases report, says blockade of the Lachin Corridor should be considered a genocide. International media coverage of the siege of Artsakh begins to ramp up, and Artsakh faces a potential critical water shortage as mortality rates spike because of a lack of medicine and medical services. Calls from the international community continue to mount as Azerbaijan's ongoing strangulation of Artsakh raises concerns not only of ethnic cleansing but genocide. On August 7, Louis Moreno Ocampo, founding prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, released a report on the situation in Artsakh. He wrote that the blockade of the Lachin Corridor by Azerbaijani security forces is a genocide against the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh. He called the UN Security Council to bring the matter before the International Criminal Court. In Ocampo's expert opinion, there is reasonable basis to believe that President Ilham Aliyev has genocidal intentions. He has knowingly, willingly, and voluntarily blockaded the Lachin Corridor even after having been placed on notice regarding the consequences of his actions by the International Court of Justice's provisional orders. Ocampo reported that Aliyev is, quote, deliberately inflicting on an Armenian group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction. And he said this, quoting Article 2 of the Genocide Convention. Starvation is the invisible genocide weapon, he said. Without immediate dramatic change, this group of Armenians will be destroyed in a few weeks, he warned. Ocampo went on to say that the conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh is an opportunity for the international community to develop a solution to prevent genocide. While Ocampo Ocampo's report was welcomed by many experts by the Armenian nation. Hikmet Hajiev, assistant to Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev, dismissed it, saying the report, quote, contains unsubstantiated allegations and accusations, and then went on to accuse Ocampo of managing companies based in some of the most notorious tax havens of the world. Somebody should remind Hikmet about caviar diplomacy, yes. but that's another podcast. Hajir was not satisfied with that accusation. After Dr. Avelina Ochab, whose work focuses on genocide of ethnic and religious minorities, published an article on Forbes stating that the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh must be taken seriously and acted upon, Hajiev tweeted, Your article in Forbes distorts reality, it is one-sided, and is used by the propaganda-slash-misinformation machine of Armenia. And he went on to complain that the author has never raised the rights of millions of more Azerbaijanis who were subject to ethnic cleansing by Armenians. So, Maria, congratulations. We now have a propaganda machine. We always did. You didn't know. You didn't get the memo. (laughs) Well, it's a one-sided genocide story. It's not two-sided genocide story because usually genocides are like reciprocal. International coverage of the situation in Artsakh shifted following the release of Ocampo's report. This is just sort of my observation. The Associated Press published an article with the headline, Armenians Face Genocide in Azerbaijan, Former International Criminal Court Prosecutor Warns. And this was picked up by many, many other uh, news organizations, uh, the Washington Post, ABC News, Forbes, as you mentioned, many other outlets began reporting about the very, very critical situation in Artsakh. And on August 7, a group of UN experts expressed alarm over Azerbaijan's ongoing blockade, which has led to a dire humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh. The experts urged authorities in Azerbaijan to immediately restore the free and secure movement of persons, vehicles, and cargo along the Lachin Corridor in both directions per the ceasefire agreement of November 2020. And this expert group included the special
social rapporteur on the rights to food, on the right to education, an independent expert on the enjoyment of all human rights by older persons, and another special rapporteur on the rights of persons with disabilities. Yeah, and this also created for lack of a better word, hysteria among Azerbaijani officials and social media users. Uh, speaking of which... Uh, and of another, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt, Sosi mm-hmm. Tatikian's uh, piece that we published right. yesterday especially like really elaborates on history of genocide. It's genocide by starvation. Mm-hmm. It's called Deliberate Starvation of Nagorno-Karabakh Armenians and she looks into how this has been used from the Nazis to Ottoman uh, Turks. Well, speaking of the situation, last week we published our July 2023 security report, event security report by Dr. Nerses Kopalian. It was a very technical thing about security, uh, strategic intelligence. Then I had a discussion with him. The first half of that discussion was really about the situation in Artsakh because of the blockade of the Lachin Corridor. So we want to give you the opportunity to hear a small soundbite from that conversation, which is available on YouTube and also on our website. So take a listen. Most of us remain frustrated in the fact that, yes, we're winning the narrative that everybody condemns Baku and demands action, but nobody's willing to basically use the stick to get this done. So there's been a lot of carrots thrown around, but where are the sticks? This is kind of what we're getting at. And when will the international community or the proverbial uh, collective West start using that stick? Why isn't the United States basically using its power, its capacity, right, its muscle to address these issues? We have here three important problems that we have to be very, very cognizant of. One, most don't want to talk about it, but it's the elephant in the room and we need to address it. Washington does not have much trust towards Stepanak yet because they view the hidden Russian hand in there. So in that context, there's a credibility problem here. I'm not saying that's true, but that is how Washington sees it. Second is the humanitarian component. But sadly, the power politics always takes priority over the humanitarian component. So there's that component where... Stefan Akert, as much as it talks about the issue and as much as Yerevan pushes, D.C. remains very suspicious of this because they do view the Russian hand dominating developments in Stefan Akert. And that puts Yerevan between a rock and a hard place. So whether that's true or not, that remains the American approach. So in that context, they're not basically going to jump at this and use uh, the muscle that we need. Now, that being said, until you have, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, this is very traumatic for us, but until you see people, for example, dying of starvation in Stepanakert or Azerbaijan marching in and start killing civilians, U.S. is not going to use the stick that we talk about. Third aspect is that both the European Union and the United States understand that as problematic as Baku's behavior is, both have important strategic interests as far as Baku is concerned. So their own strategic interests are not going to be basically subjugated to interests of the Armenians. So minus blatant ethnic cleansing, which is supposed to be a red line, none of these uh, actors are going to cross that barrier and allow their interests to be harmed for the Armenian population or for Armenian interests. This is the reality of the matter. But Again, the issue isn't black and white. Just because you're not willing to cross that line doesn't mean that they are not aware of what's going on, that they are not willing to use extensive diplomatic pressure. And this also doesn't mean that down the line, this isn't going to harm Baku. We have to understand that uh, Azerbaijan spent 25 years of caviar diplomacy shaping a narrative. And uh, yeah, 
doesn't like look very uh, promising at promising, all. Not, no. not at all. And kind of, as they say in Armenian, I guess, but, but we don't have time. This is the problem, right? I mean, we're facing a very critical situation. We can't really hold our breath. That's right. On August 8, Artsakh's health ministry reported a significant surge in mortalities due to the ongoing blockade. As we've reported before, there is a shortage or absence of medicines and medical supplies, malnutrition of the population, stress, suspension of planned surgeries and medical assistance from Armenia abroad, as we know. The cases of deaths from different types of diseases increased dramatically, while anemia among pregnant women has reached about 90 percent. Yeah, and we know we've been reporting about, you know, people fainting in bread lines and, you know, children with disabilities or with health issues having no access to health care. Well, on top of all of this, the water company of Artsakh has asked citizens in Stepanagir to use water as sparingly as possible to avoid any water outages. According to the company, due to hot weather conditions, there is a shortage of water feeding the city, and they are forced to supply water through artisanal pumps. And because of the power outages and lack of fuel, the pumps are operating only at half capacity. So, yeah, and it's blisteringly hot in the region. can't even imagine. Well, there's also a cash problem, but that's only kind of sounds secondary compared to all other problems. So the government of Artsakh is calling on people kind of only to take out money from ATMs when and if they need it so that the government can pay pensions. But the irony is that where are they going to spend this money, right? And this is what a lot of journalists and people in Artsakh were saying, that even if I have the money, I have nothing to... There's nothing one by one, by. everything is coming to a halt yeah. in Artsakh for any resemblance of a normal life. Mm-hmm. On August 8, Artsakh's health ministry reported that for the first time in 11 days, the ICRC, this is the International Committee of the Red Cross, was able to transfer 11 patients from Artsakh to Armenia for urgent medical care. Nine of these patients are receiving dialysis, uh, while two of them have cancer. The following day, another 10 patients were transferred to Armenia. The ministry stated that in total, 30 children are currently receiving inpatient treatment, including eight in neonatal and intensive care units, while an additional 80 patients are receiving inpatient treatment at the Stepanagert Hospital, including eight in intensive care units, of which four are in critical condition. And as a reminder, Azerbaijan continues to prohibit the ICRC from taking medicinal supplies to Artsakh. Again, we've been talking about now for, I don't know, over 10 days, uh, the humanitarian convoy sent from Yerevan on July 26. What 10 days? It's been over two weeks. We're uh, August 11 today, right? By the Armenian government remains in Gornizor. Several French regions also allocated humanitarian aid for the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. A truck carrying the French humanitarian aid of over 20 tons of food has now joined the stranded Armenian humanitarian convoy at uh, the start of the corridor. And in a letter to the Director General of the World Health Organization, Anahid Avanesian, Armenia's Minister of Health, addressed the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh, stating the risks of evolving hunger, paralyzed social and health care services, the obstruction of the work of the uh, international Committee of the Red Cross, the increase in health-related incidents, and requested a resolute response from WHO. Earlier this week, on August 6, in an interview with local public television, Artsakh's president, Aray Karutunia, stated that Azerbaijan has turned Nagorno-Karabakh into a major concentration camp and is committing genocide. Harutunya said he had warned about Azerbaijan's genocidal policy to Armenia, Russia, and other international actors about a year ago. He also said that it seems that they have recorded everywhere that there is a problem and the situation uh, is getting worse day by day, but there are no results, he said. On the prospect 
aspects of a Baku-Stepanakert dialogue, Harutunian stated that dialogue should not be forced. It seems that there is a tacit agreement to leave us alone with Azerbaijan, he said, and Azerbaijan uses the pressure method. We are in a situation where we are on the verge of genocide. That is, this cannot be called dialogue. They are only pushing us to accept Azerbaijan's conditions, demands, which are unacceptable to us, he, he said. He went on to say that any dialogue should be within the framework of equality, dignity, and rights. Those three principles have been violated. That's why we will continue to insist on the international community to respect our rights, he said, adding that the West had proposed holding Baku Stepanagir talks in a third country, which was accepted by them but refused by Azerbaijan. He also said that even though Russian peacekeepers have brought certain stability to the region, but have failed to secure free movement along the Lachin Corridor, and that he has sent many letters to the Russian leadership, adding that the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is affected by the Russo-Ukrainian war. Two days after that interview, on August 8, in an appeal to the international community, President uh, Harutyunyan again called for immediate measures to prevent genocide and to lift the siege. Regarding the Azerbaijani proposal to deliver humanitarian cargo via Ardam, Harutyunyan said it is, quote, yet another means of realizing Azerbaijan's criminal agenda, which will lead to imposing its own will, violating human dignity, and other criminal consequences of subjugating the people of Artsakh to Azerbaijan. And on August 9, army informed Minister Art Mirzoen spoke to the foreign ministers of Greece, Spain, Malta, Bulgaria, Cyprus, United Arab Emirates, and Lithuania. Mirzoen presented the humanitarian crisis unfolding in Nagorno-Karabakh and emphasized the need for concrete steps towards the implementation of the instructions of the International Court of Justice regarding the blockade. He spoke about the urgency of supplying Artsakh with food, medicine, and other essential goods, the need to ensure the full and uninterrupted operation of the ICRC, as we know, the only humanitarian, international humanitarian organization with access to Artsakh. And Mirzoen also spoke about Vakif Khachatarian, who, while being transferred from Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia for treatment on July 29, accompanied by the International Committee of the Red Cross, was kidnapped by Baku at the illegal checkpoint. Mirzoen highlighted the importance of these countries that needs to take clear action in order to remove the blockade and to prevent steps aimed at ethnic cleansing by Azerbaijan in Nagorno-Karabakh. And speaking of Vakif Khachadaryan, yesterday the European Court of Human Rights forwarded information provided by Azerbaijan regarding Khachadaryan to the Armenian side because Armenia had applied to the ACHR for provisional measures to get information about Khachadaryan. The Armenian representative on international legal matters, Yerisha Giragosyan, reported that the information was handed over to Khachadaryan's relatives, and we really don't know what that information is that has not been made public, but we do know that uh, for the first time in a very long time, Baku actually followed somebody's order here. Well, just also as a reminder, Khachatryan, after being taken to Baku, is to stand trial on charges of allegedly killing and deporting Karabakh's ethnic Azerbaijani residents in December of 1991 at the start of the First Karabakh War. Well, Edmund Marukian, Armenia's ambassador at large, has said that Armenia will raise the issue of opening the Lachin Corridor, connecting Artsakh to Armenia in the UN Security Council. He did not elaborate on when exactly Armenia would apply to the Security Council. At the same time, he added that extensive diplomatic work should be done with the permanent and temporary members 
of the UNSC. And just as a reminder, on December 20, 2022, the UNSC held an emergency meeting at Armenia's request to discuss Azerbaijan's blockade of Artsakh through the Lachin Corridor. But, you know, raising the issue now at the Security Council and getting any kind of concrete measure, decision, resolution would require the permanent members of the Security Council do not veto that. And, uh, of course, we know the UK is there, who has many interests in Azerbaijan and Russia. You know, Marukian is talking about this, but I don't know when this is actually will happen going to happen. Or if it will. Mm-hmm. Yes. Acting U.S. Assistant Secretary of State Yuri Kim spoke separately with Armenian and Azerbaijani Foreign Ministers Arad Mizoyan and Jehun Bayramov to underscore U.S. support for the two countries and efforts to secure a durable peace in the region. She urged the leaders to keep the momentum moving forward, beginning by enabling free transit of commercial, humanitarian, and private vehicles through the Lachin Corridor as soon as possible, noting in particular humanitarian concerns. Mirzoyan emphasized the need for joint efforts of the international community in the current situation, while Bayramov claimed that Armenia is refusing to completely withdraw its armed forces from Azerbaijani territory. It's the same line that they keep pushing and that apparently Armenia is interfering in the internal affairs of his country. On August 10, Bajur Osmani, the foreign affairs minister of North Macedonia and chairman in office of the OSCE, held two separate telephone conversations with Armenian and Azerbaijani foreign ministers and expressed concerns about the situation in Arsakh and the impact it is having on the civilian population, noting that humanitarian considerations and people's immediate needs should prevail. Osmani conveyed his readiness to continue his personal and active engagement with the sides and repeated that the OSCE chairmanship is ready to facilitate dialogue to advance sustainable and peaceful resolve. Well, as we've seen a lot of diplomatic activity on behalf of Armenia's foreign ministry, today during the government session, Armenia's prime minister, Nigol Pashinyan, called on Baku to refrain from taking steps aimed at nullifying the historic opportunity to establish peace. These are his words, once again reaffirming Armenia's commitment to the peace agenda. Pashinyan stressed that the best solution to the situation in the Lachin Corridor today is the removal of the illegal blockade the start of the Stepanagert Baku dialogue under the auspices of an international mechanism. And uh, this week we saw a protest against the blockade of the corridor that took place in front of the government building in Yerevan. After scuffles with police, 14 people were detained. It was a short protest mm-hmm. and it wasn't there weren't many people. Well, however, later, 150 people, members of the Crusades, this is the Khachagirner Brigade in Armenian, the Crusades Brigade, went to Kornizor where the humanitarian convoy from Armenia Ways to enter Arsakh, according to Sarkis Porosyan, the commander of this brigade. They were to negotiate with the Russian peacekeepers, and barring a compromise, they would open the corridor by force. And as what we know at the moment, they obviously didn't do that because that would have just created. Well, the Armenian checkpoint at the very beginning of the corridor would not allow them to pass. And so now they remain in the area. We don't know what their next steps will be. But that is what happened, right? So on August 8, two staffers of the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Sarah Arkin and Damian Murphy, were in Armenia. They went to Gornizor and witnessed the Azerbaijani blockade of the Lachin Corridor. They inspected the Armenian humanitarian convoy stranded near the bridge, the Hakari Bridge. They also met with the EU monitoring mission head, Marcus Ritter, and the governor of Sunik. The Secretary of the Security Council of Armenia, Armen Grigorian, received Akin and Murphy the following day and discussed the security 
security situation in the region and U.S.-Armenia relations. The staffers also met with Armenia's Deputy Foreign Minister, Parur Hovanisyan, who emphasized the need for international partners to take clear steps to prevent ethnic cleansing by Azerbaijan. And today, a group of academics, journalists, intellectuals, and activists from Israel wrote an open letter to Israeli President Isaac Herzog, asking him to exercise his influence and relations to prevent a mass starvation of the people of Artsakh. Among the signatories are genocide scholars Yair Aron and Israel Charney, historian Michael E. Stone, rabbi and former minister Michael Melchior, rabbi and the international director of the Interreligious Affairs at American Jewish Committee, David Rosen. In the letter, they state their grave concern regarding the severe humanitarian crisis that poses a clear danger to 120,000 people. Israel enjoys close ties with Azerbaijan, who is responsible for this crisis and has the ability to resolve it, says the letter. These ties oblige the state of Israel to take a clear stand and not to stand idly by. The statement notes the significant defense support that Israel provides to Azerbaijan, which was deciding factor in the hostilities in the fall of 2020, says the statement. They go on to say that the aid provided by Israel means that Israel has a special responsibility not to be a bystander. This week, France's new ambassador to Armenia, Olivier de Cotigny, I hope I pronounced it properly, met with Security Council Secretary Armand Grigorian and Minister of Defense Suren Babikian. The newly appointed French defense attaché, Lieutenant Colonel Arnaud Eli, also took part in the meeting with Babikian. Babikian welcomed and emphasized the importance of the establishment of a office of the defense attaché at the French embassy. This was actually uh, implemented based on an agreement that was reached back in September 2022 between the defense ministers of Armenia and France. And on August 9, Azerbaijani armed forces violated the ceasefire in the Martoni region, firing at civilians working in a wheat field in the village of Sarushen in Askeran, damaging a vehicle. All agricultural work was suspended and the Russian peacekeepers were informed of the incident because there's so much food <laughs> and no need uh, for food as such. So they're suspending agriculture as well. On and have been, sorry. The, the, have I know been it's been very advanced. consistent. And the only way for them to survive is to have their own produce. And even that is being denied them. On August 6, Armenia's Ministry of Defense reported that Azerbaijani armed forces opened fire in Armenia's Kerarkunik region near the villages of Kutagan and Dreduk. No casualties were reported. And the following day, Azerbaijani armed forces claimed that an Armenian drone was neutralized shot down in Sotk. According to Baku, the drone tried to fly over Azerbaijani positions. Yerevan has not responded to Baku's allegations. And a few days ago, Baku reported the discovery and seizure of a drone flying from Armenia in the direction of Lachin. Today, a serviceman of the Armenian Armed Forces, Jora Karabetian, died because of a fatal gunshot wound in unclear circumstances. This was reported by Armenia's Defense Ministry. An investigation is underway to reveal the circumstances of the incident. And coming back to Azerbaijan, it uh, continues its state propaganda, presenting Armenia as Western Azerbaijan. Armenia's foreign ministry spokesperson, Ani Badalian, tweeted that Azerbaijani State TV broadcast a short film in which Armenia was presented as part of Azerbaijan's territory. In a similar program, the regions of Armenia, including Yerevan and Lake Sevan, appear with Azerbaijani names. Oh, they're even doing the weather forecast yeah. with Armenia in it and the uh, like, uh, temperature in Erivan, according to yeah. them. Well, 
On August 5, representatives of Azerbaijani NGOs sent an open letter to the International Committee of the Red Cross suggesting that the organization use the Agdam Road to deliver humanitarian aid to Artsakh. They claim that the road from Agdam is shorter than the one from Yerevan. On the same day, uh, this is August 5, Dikran Petrosian, the chair of Artsakh's Anti-Crisis Council, said that the ICRC can enter Artsakh through Agdam under one condition, that is, returning Vakif Khachatarian. He added that in any other case, it will be another attempt to force integration. And David Ishanian, a member of parliament from the Armenian Revolutionary Federation, was elected as speaker of the Nagorno-Karabakh parliament. He was nominated by the ruling Free Motherland Party on August 7th. The post of the speaker of parliament was vacant since July 29th, following speaker Artur Tomasian's resignation. And on uh, August 8th, back to ICRC, representatives of the Red Cross visited the two Azerbaijani servicemen who had crossed the state border of Armenia in the spring. The detainees were allowed to send messages to their families through the uh, mediation of the International Committee of the Red Cross. And just as a reminder, these two were charged with illegally crossing the state border and for illegally transferring firearms and ammunition. One of them is sentenced to 11 and a half years in prison, while the other 20 years, because the latter was charged uh, with uh, the murder of a 56-year-old man, Hayrabet Melikseetian. And not only did they, you know, cross the border and come into Armenia, one of them actually murdered an Armenian uh, citizen. And this week, the U.S. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller was asked during a press briefing to comment on the warnings from Moscow to Armenia and Azerbaijan against rushing into a peace agreement. Miller reiterated that a potential peace deal between Armenia and Azerbaijan remains within reach after Russia warned last week that a hastily prepared peace treaty could lead to a new conflict. He added that Turkey can play a productive role in this process. Like it did during the war. On August 9, Alexei Zaitsev, deputy director of the Information and Press Department of the Russian Foreign Ministry, said that Moscow is actively cooperating with Baku and Yerevan to prepare this peace treaty using political and diplomatic channels. He added that statements from Baku and Yerevan about the commitment to achieve peace as soon as possible do not mean that the sides are ready to accept any agreement. We still need to find solutions to a number of complex problems, Zaitsev said. And only weeks left, almost only weeks left until the next mayoral uh, elections in Yerevan and Armenia's general prosecutor's office meanwhile opened a criminal investigation against Vahe Nikolian who served as deputy mayor of Yerevan from uh, 2012 until 2018 for abusing his official powers and receiving large bribes. The anti-corruption committee found that while in office Nikolian received a bribe in the form of a large property for his father valued at 141 million Armenian dirhams from officials of Sanitech, the garbage collection company that was unable to properly provide services stipulated in its contract with the city. In 2019, garbage collection and sanitary cleaning services contracts signed with Sanitech were unilaterally terminated by former mayor Haik Marutian. The good old days, Maria, when Sanitech was, <laughs> was like our biggest uh, 50% problem. of our news week. Yeah. <laughs> well... And on to the upcoming Yerevan city elections, which will be held on September 17. Former Mayor Haik Marutian announced this week that he will be running for mayor, leading the National Progress Party's list. Marutian served as mayor of Yerevan from 2018 until 2021, when he lost his position in a no-confidence vote. The election campaign will start on August 23 and will last uh, for 24 days. And the other political parties have announced that they will be participating in the 
upcoming election. The ruling civil contract party's candidate is Deputy Mayor uh, Dikran Avinian. Victor Minatsaganian, a former city official who oversaw the Gentron administrative district, is also running for the office. Other candidates include Manitan Dilian, head of the A Country to Live In party, Antraik Tevanian from the Mother Armenia movement, Ardak Zainalian, Sarkis Madatian, and Ani Khachadurian will lead the Republic Party list, Natalia Arsakhantsian and Nelly Haruchunian from Uj Hayrenyats, I think this translates to Armenian power, uh, and David Khachakian from Bright Armenia and Norair Norikian from the Just Armenia Party are all candidates. And this week, Armenia and Iran signed an agreement on the extension and capacity increase of gas for electricity contract. The contract was extended until 2030. This emphasized the importance of this extension as a sign of friendly relations between the two countries and an impetus for the further development of those relations. And today, it was made clear that the Armenian government has allocated $6 million to organize American rapper Snoop Dogg's concert in Yerevan. The artist is set to perform Form on September 23. Up to 25,000 people are expected to attend the concert that will take place at the Hrazdan Stadium, and 6,000 tourists are expected to arrive in Armenia for the concert. And that's the kind of week we've had here in Armenia and Artsakh. Thank you for listening. Have a peaceful and safe weekend, and we'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.